Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 9 and 10. In the previous episode, we read chapters 7 and 8 and we met a new uh, cab. We met a new uh, we saw a new cabin form um that we did not see before uh I'm assuming that they made this building after Percy said that all the minor gods should be represented too but it was Hypnos he had a cabin for him uh, for his children and and Jason and the others went to go uh talk to someone named Clovis who was actually who is a uh, child of Hypnos and he discussed about how Roman gods and Roman gods and Greek gods are actually different because their behavior and almost everything changes about them because in Rome in Roman gods they're more harsher because when Clovis talks about his dad Hypnos in his Roman form he's actually way worse and actually blasts something um which is really really unexpected comparing considering that he's you know the god of sleep so yeah so he explained that usually roman gods are considered more harsh and more serious and stern about their uh policies and everything but uh, compared to greek gods so that was something interesting to learn um now we will read chapter nine this time we're reading from piper's perspective so without further ado on with the show piper dreamed about her last day with her dad they were on the beach near big sur taking a break from surfing. The morning had been so perfect, Piper knew something had to go wrong soon. A rabid horde of paparazzi or maybe a great white shark attack. No way her luck could hold. But so far, they'd had excellent waves, an overcast sky, and a mile of oceanfront completely to themselves. Dad had found this way out of the way spot, rented a beachfront villa and the properties on either side, and somehow managed to keep it secret. If he stayed there too long, Piper knew the photographers would find him. They always did. Nice job out there, Pipes. He gave her the smile he was famous for. Perfect teeth, dimpled chin, a twinkle in his dark eyes that always made grown women scream and ask him to sign their bodies in permanent marker. Seriously, Piper thought. Get a life. His close-cropped black hair gleamed with salt water. You're getting better at hanging ten. Piper flushed with pride, thought though she was suspected, Dad was just being nice. She still spent most of her time wiping out. It took special talent to run over yourself with a surfboard. Her dad was the natural surfer, which made no sense since he'd been raised a poor kid in Oklahoma, hundreds of miles from the ocean, but he was amazing on the curls. Piper would have given up surfing a long time ago, except to let her spend time with him. There weren't, ma- there weren't many ways she could do that. Sandwich? Dad dug into the picnic basket his chef, Arno, had made. Let's see. Turkey pesto, crab cake wasabi. Ah, a Piper special. Peanut butter and jelly. She took the sandwich, though her stomach was too upset to eat. She always asked for PB&J. Piper was vegetarian, for one thing. She had been ever since they'd driven past that slaughterhouse in Chino, and and the smell had made her insides want to come outside. But it was more than that. PB&J was simple food, like a regular kid would have for lunch. Sometimes she pretended her dad had actually made it for her, not a personal chef from France who liked to wrap the sandwich in gold leaf paper with a light-up sparkler instead of a toothpick. Couldn't anything be simple? 
That's why she turned down the fancy clothes Dad always offered. The designer shoes, the trips to the salon. She cut her own hair with a pair of plastic Garfield safety scissors, deliberately making it even. She preferred to wear beat-up running shoes, jeans, a t-shirt, and her old Polar Tech jacket from the time they went snowboarding. And she hated the snobby private schools. Dad thought were good for her. She kept getting herself kicked out. He kept finding more schools. Yesterday, she'd pulled her biggest heist yet, driving that borrowed BMW out of the dealership. She had to pull a bigger stunt each time because it took more and more to get Dad's attention. Now she regretted it. Dad didn't know yet. She'd meant to tell him that morning. Then he'd surprise her with this trip, and she couldn't ruin it. It was the first time they'd had a date together in, what, three months? What's wrong? He passed her a soda. Dad, there's something... Hold on, Pipes. That's a serious face. Ready for any three questions? They've been playing that game for years. Her dad's way of staying connected in the shortest possible amount of time. They could ask each other any three questions, nothing off limits, and you had to answer honestly. The rest of the time, Dad promised to stay out of her business, which was easy since he was never around. Piper knew most kids would find a Q&A like this with their parents totally mortifying, but she looked forward to it. It was like surfing. Not easy, but a way to feel like she actually had a father. First question, she said. Mom. No surprise. That was always one of her topics. Her dad shrugged with resignation. What do you want to know, Piper? I've already told you. She disappeared. I don't know why or where she went. After you were born, she simply left. I never heard from her again. Do you think she's still alive? It wasn't a real question. Dad was allowed to say he didn't know. But she wanted to hear how he'd answer. He stared at the waves. Your grandpa Tom, he said at last. He used to tell me that if you walked far enough toward the sunset, you'd come to ghost country. Where you could talk to the dead. He said a long time ago you could bring the dead back. But then mankind messed up. Well, it's a long story. Like the land of the dead for the Greeks? Piper remembered. It was in the West, too, and Orpheus, he tried to bring his wife back. Dad nodded. A year before, he had his biggest role as an ancient Greek king. Piper had helped him research the myths. All those old stories about people getting turned to stone and boiled in lakes of lava. They had a fun time reading together, and it made Piper's life seem not so bad. For a while, she felt closer to her dad. But like everything, it didn't last. Lots of similarities between Greeks and che- Greek and Cherokee, Dad agreed. Wonder what your grandpa would think if he saw us now, sitting at the end of, a, of the western land. He'd probably think we're ghosts. So you think you believe those stories? You think Mom is dead? His eyes watered and Piper saw the sadness behind them. She figured that's why women were so attracted to him. On the surface, he seemed confident and rugged. But his eyes held so much sadness. Woman wanted to find out why. They wanted to comfort him, and they never could. Dad told Piper that it was a Cherokee thing. They all had that darkness inside of them for generations of pain and suffering. But Piper thought it was more than that. I don't believe the stories, he said. They're fun to tell, but if I really believed in ghost country or animal spirits or great gods, I don't think I could sleep at night. I'd always be looking for somebody to blame. Somebody to blame for our Grandpa Tom dying of lung cancer, Piper thought, before Dad got famous and had the money to help. For Mom, the only woman he'd ever loved, abandoning him without even a goodbye note, 
leaving him with a newborn girl he wasn't ready to care for. For his being so successful and yet still not happy? I don't know if she's alive, he said. But I do think she might as well be in ghost country, Piper. There's no getting her back. If I believed otherwise, I don't think I could stand that either. Behind them, a car door opened. Piper turned and her heart sank. Jane was marching toward them in her business suit, wobbling over the sand in her high heels, her PDA in hand. The look on her face was partly annoyed, partly triumphant, and Piper knew she'd been in touch with the police. Please fall down, Piper prayed. If there's any animal spirit or Greek god that can help make Jane take a header, I'm not asking for permanent damage, just knock her out for the rest of the day, please. But Jane kept advancing. Dad, Piper said quickly, something happened yesterday. But he'd seen Jean—he's—he'd seen Jane too. He was already reconstructing his business face. Jane wouldn't be here if it wasn't serious. A studio head called. A project fell through, or Piper had messed up again. We'll go back to that pipes. He promised. I better see what Jane wants. You know how she is. Yes, Piper knew. Dad trudged across the sand to meet her. Piper couldn't hear them talking, but she didn't need to. She was good at reading faces. Jane gave him the facts about the stolen car, occasionally pointing at Piper like she was a disgusting pet that had whizzed on the carpet. Dad's energy and enthusiasm drained away. He gestured for Jane to wait, then he walked back to Piper. He, she couldn't stand that look in his eyes, like she'd b- betrayed his trust. You told me you would try, Piper, he said. Dad, I hate that school. I can't do it. I wanted to tell you about the BMW, but they expelled you, he said. A car? Piper, you're 16 next year. I would buy you any car you want. How could you? You mean Jane would buy me a car? Piper demanded. She couldn't help it. The anger just welled up and spilled out of her. Dad, just listen for once. Don't make me wait for you to ask your stupid three questions. I want to go to regular school. I want you to take me to parents' night, not Jane, or homeschool me. I learned so much when we read about Greece together. We could do that all the time. We couldn't... Don't make this about me, her dad said. I do the best I can, Piper. We've had this conversation. No, she thought. You've cut this conversation for years. Her dad sighed. Jane's talked to the police, brokered a deal. The dealership won't press charges, but you have to agree to go to a boarding school in Nevada. They specialize in problems and kids with tough issues. That's what I am. Her voice trembled. A problem. Piper, you said you'd try. You let me down. I don't know what else to do. Do anything, she said, but do it yourself. Don't let Jane handle it for you. You can't just send me away. Dad looked down at the picnic basket. His sandwich sat uneaten on a piece of gold leaf paper. They planned for a whole afternoon in the surf. Now that was ruined. Piper couldn't believe he'd really given to gain Jane's wishes. Not this time. Not on something as huge as boarding school. Go see her, Dad said. She's got the details. Dad. He looked away, gazing at the ocean like he could see all the way to ghost country. Piper promised her she wouldn't cry. She headed up the beach toward Jane, who smiled coldly and held up a plane ticket. As usual, she'd already arranged everything. Piper was just another problem of the day that Jane could now check off her list. Piper's dream changed. 
She stood on a mountaintop at night, city lights glimmering below. In front of her, a bonfire blazed. Purplish flames seemed to cast more shadows than light. But the heat was so intense, her clothes steamed. This is your second warning. A voice rumbled so powerful it shook the earth. Piper had heard that voice before in her dreams. She tried to convince herself it wasn't as scary as she remembered, but it was worse. Behind the bonfire, a huge face loomed out of the darkness. It seemed to float above the flames, but Piper knew it must be connected to an enormous body. The crude features might have been chiseled out of rock. The face hardly seemed alive except for its piercing white eyes, like raw diamonds, and its horrible frame of dead dreadlocks braided with human bones. It smiled, and Piper shivered. "'You'll do what you're told,' the giant said. "'You'll go on the quest, do our bidding, and you may walk away, walk away alive. Otherwise—' He gestured to one side of the fire. Piper's father was hanging unconscious, tied to a stake. She tried to cry out. She wanted to call to her dad and demand the giant to let him go. But her voice wouldn't work. "'I'll be watching,' the giant said. "'Serve me, and you both live.' You have the word of, of Enceladus. Fail me. Well, I've slept for millennia, young demigod. I'm very hungry. Fail, and I'll eat well. The giant roared with laughter. The earth trembled. A crevice opened at Piper's feet, and she tumbled into darkness. She woke, feeling like she'd been trampled by an Irish-stepping dancing troupe. Her chest hurt, and she could barely breathe. She reached down and closed her hand around the hilt of the dagger Annabeth had given her. Catopitrus, Helen of Troy's weapon. So Camp Half-Blood hadn't been a dream. How are you feeling? Someone asked. Piper tried to focus. She was lying in a bed with a white curtain on one side, like in a nurse's office. That red-headed girl, Rachel Dare, sat next to her. On the wall was a poster of a cartoon satyr who looked disturbingly like Coach Hedge with the thermometer sticking out of his mouth. The caption read, Don't let sickness get your goat. Where... Piper's voice died when she saw the guy at the door. He looked like a typical California surfer dude, buff and tan, blonde hair dressed in shorts and a t-shirt, but he had hundreds of blue eyes all over his body, along with his arm along his arms, down his legs and all over his face. Even his feet had hands, peering up at her from between the straps of his sandal of his sandals. That's Argus, Rachel said, our head of security. He's just keeping an eye on things, so to speak. Argus nodded. The eye on his chin winked. Where? Piper tried again, but she felt like she was talking through a mouthful of cotton. You're in the big house, Rachel said. Camp offices. We brought you here when you collapsed. You grabbed me? Piper remembered Hera's voice. I'm so sorry about that, Rachel said. Believe me, it was not my idea to get possessed. Chiron healed you with some nectar. Nectar? The drink of the gods, in small amounts, it heals demigods. If it doesn't, ah, uh, burn you to ashes. Oh, fun. Rachel sat forward. Do you remember your vision? Piper had a moment of dread, thinking she met the dream about the giant. Then she realized Rachel was talking about what happened in Hera's cabin. Something's wrong with the goddess, Piper said. She told me to free her like she's trapped. She mentioned the earth swallowing us and a fiery one. And something about the solstice. In the corner, Argus made a rumbling sound in his chest. His eyes all fluttered at once. Hera created Argus, Rachel explained. 
He's actually very sensitive when it comes to her safety. We're trying to keep him from crying. Because last time that happened, well, caused quite a flood. Argus sniffled. He grabbed a fistful of Kleenex from the bedside table and started dabbing eyes all over his body. So, Piper tried not to stare at Argus as Argus wiped the tears from his elbows. What happened to Hera? We're not sure, Rachel said. Annabeth and Jason were here for you, by the way. Jason didn't want to leave you, but Annabeth had an idea. Something that might restore his memories. That's... That's great. Jason had been here for her. Jason had been here for her? She wished she'd been conscious for that, but if he got his memories back, would that be a good thing? She was still holding out hope that they didn't really, they really did not, didn't, didn't know each other. She didn't want their relationship to be just a trick of the mist. Get over yourself, she thought. If she was going to save her dad, it didn't matter whether Jason liked her or not. He would hate her eventually. Everyone here would. She looked down at the ceremonial dagger, strapped to her side. Ambeth had said it was a sign of power and status, but not normally used in battle. All show and no substance, a fake just like Piper, and its name was Catopatris. Catopatris, looking glass. She didn't dare unsheathe it again, because she couldn't bear to see her own reflection. Don't worry, Rachel squeezed her arm. Jason seems like a good guy. He had a vision too, a lot like yours. Whatever's happening with Hera... I think you two are meant to work together. Rachel smiled like this was good news, but Piper's spirits plunged even further. She thought that this quest, whatever it was, would involve nameless people. Now Rachel was basically telling her, Good news! Not only is your dad being held ransom by a cannibal giant, you also get to betray the guy you like. How awesome is that? Hey, Rachel said, No need to cry. You'll figure it out. Piper wiped her eyes, trying to get control of herself. This wasn't like her. She was supposed to be tough, a hardened car thief, the scourge of LA private schools. Here, she was crying like a baby. How can you know what I'm facing? Rachel shrugged. I know it's a hard choice and your options aren't great. Like I said, I get hunches sometimes. But you're going to be claimed at the campfire. I'm almost sure. When you know who your godly parent is, things might be clearer. Clear. Piper thought. Not necessarily better. She sat up in bed. Her forehead ached like someone had driven a spike between her eyes. There's no getting your mother back, her dad had told her. But apparently tonight, her mom might claim her. For the first time, Piper wasn't sure if she wanted that. I hope it's Athena, she looked up, afraid. Rachel might make fun of her. But the oracle just smiled. Piper, I don't blame you. Truthfully, I think Annabeth is hoping that too. You guys are a lot alike. The comparison made Piper feel even guiltier. Another hunch? You don't know anything about me. You'd be surprised. You're just saying that because you're an oracle, aren't you? You're supposed to sound all mysterious. Rachel laughed. Don't be giving away my secrets, Piper. And don't worry. Things will work out. Just maybe not the way you plan. That's not making me feel better. Somewhere in the distance, a concorn blew. Argus grumbled and opened the door. Dinner? Piper guessed. You slept through it, Rachel said. Time for the campfire. Let's go find out who you are. And that is the end of chapter 9. Right after this break, we'll read chapter 10. And maybe we'll get to find out who the mother of Piper is. But until the, but we will see right after this break. And, and when we come back from the break, we'll read chapter 10. 
Piper. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read Chapter 10, Piper. The whole campfire idea freaked Piper out. It made her think of that huge purple bonfire in the dreams and her father tied to a stake. What she got instead was almost as terrifying, a sing-along. The amphitheater steps were carved into the side of a hill, facing a stone-lined fire pit. Fifty or sixty kids filled the rows, clustered into groups under various banners. Piper spotted Jason in the front next to Annabeth. Leah was nearby, sitting with a bunch of burly-looking campers under a steel-gray banner emblazoned with a hammer. Standing in front of the fire, half a dozen campers with guitars and strange old-fashioned harps? Lyres? were jumping around, leading a song about pieces of armor. Something about how their grandma got dressed for war? Everybody was singing with them and making gestures for the pieces of armor and joking around. It was quite possibly the weirdest thing Piper had ever seen. One of those campfire songs that would have been completely embarrassing in daylight. But in the dark, with everybody participating, it was kind of corny and fun. As the energy level got higher, the flames did too, turning from red to orange to gold. Finally, the song ended with a lot of rowdy applause. A guy on a horse trotted up, at least in the flickering light. Piper thought it was a guy on a horse. Then she realized it was a centaur, his bottom half a white stallion, his top half a middle-aged guy with curly hair and a trim beard. He brandished a spear impaled with toasted marshmallows. Very nice, and a special welcome to our new arrivals. I am Chiron, Camp Activities Director, and I'm happy you all have you have all, all have a, arrived here alive and with most of your limbs attached. In a moment, I promise we'll get to the s'mores, but first... What about capture the flag? Somebody yelled. Grumbling broke out among some kids in the armor, sitting under a red banner with the emblem of a boar's head. Yes, the centaur said. I know the Ares cabin is anxious to return to the woods for our regular games. And kill people, one of them shouted. However, Chiron said, until the dragon is brought under control, that won't be possible. Cabin 9, anything to report on that? He turned to Leo's group. Leo winked at Piper and shot her with a finger gun. The girl next to him stood uncomfortably. She wore an army jacket a lot like Leo's, with her hair covered in a red bandana. We're working on it. More grumbling. How, Nyssa? An Ares kid demanded. Really hard, the girl said. Nyssa sat down to a lot of yelling and complaining, which caused the fire to sputter chaotically. Chiron stamped his hoof against the fire pit stones. Bang, bang, bang. And the campers fell silent. We'll have to be patient, Chiron said. In the meantime, we have more pressing matters to discuss. Percy? Someone asked. The fire dimmed even further, but Piper didn't even need the mood to flames to sense the crowd's anxiety. Chiron gestured to Annabeth. She took a deep breath and stood. I didn't find Percy, she announced. Her voice caught a little when she said this name. He wasn't at the Grand Canyon like I thought. But we're not giving up. We've got teams everywhere. Grover, Tyson, Nico, the Hunters of Artemis. Everyone's out looking for her. Looking. We will find him. Chiron's talking about something different. A new quest. It's the Great Prophecy, isn't it? A girl called out. Everyone turned. The voice had come from a group in back. Sitting under a rose-colored banner with a dove emblem. They'd been chanting among themselves and not paying much attention until the leader stood up. Drew. Everyone else looked surprised. Apparently, Drew didn't address the crowd very often. Drew? Annabeth said, What do you mean? 
Well, come on. Drew spread her hands like the truth was obvious. Olympus is closed. Percy's disappeared. Hera sends you a vision and you come back with three new demigods in one day. I mean, something weird is going on. The great prophecy has started, right? Piper whispered to Rachel. What's she talking about? The great prophecy? Then she realized everyone was looking at Rachel too. Well, Drew called down. You're the oracle. Has it started or not? Rachel's eyes looked scary in the firelight. Piper was afraid she might clench up and start channeling a freaky peacock goddess again. But she stepped forward calmly and addressed the camp. Yes, she said. The great prophecy has begun. Pandemonium broke out. Piper caught Chazen's eyes. He mouthed, you all right? She nodded and managed to smile, but then looked away. It was too painful seeing him and not being with him. When the talking finally subsided, Rachel took another step toward the audience, and 50-plus demigods leaned away from her, as if one skinny redhead mortal was more intimidating than all of them put together. For those of you who have not heard it, Rachel said, the Great Prophecy was my first prediction. It arrived in August. It goes like this. Seven half-bloods shall answer the call. To storm or fire, the world must fall. Jason shot to his feet. His eyes looked wild like he'd just been tasered. Even Rachel seemed off, caught off guard. Jason? She said, What's utcom spiritus postrema sacramentum de germus? He chanted, Et hostes ornamenta adent ad ianuam nesem. An uneasy silence settled on the group. Piper could see from their faces that several of them were trying to translate the lines. She could tell it was Latin, but she wasn't sure why her hopefully future boyfriend was suddenly chanting like a Catholic priest. You just finished the prophecy, Rachel stammered. And oaths to keep with the final breath and foes bare arms to the doors of death. How did you... I know those lines. Jason, Jason winced and put his hands to his temples. I don't know how, but I know that prophecy. In Latin, no less. Drew called out, handsome and smart. There was some giggling from the Aphrodite cabin. God, what a bunch of losers, Piper thought. But didn't do much to break the tension. The campfire was burning a chaotic, nervous shade of green. Jason sat down, looking embarrassed, but Annabeth put a hand on his shoulder and muttered something reassuring. Piper felt a pang of jealousy. It should have been her next to him, comforting him. Rachel Dare still looked a little shaken. She glanced back at Chiron for guidance, but the centaur stood grim and silent as if he were watching a play he couldn't interrupt. A tragedy that ended with a lot of people dead on stage. Well, Rachel said, trying to regain her composure. So yeah, that's the great prophecy. We hoped it might not happen for years, but I fear it's starting now. I can't give you proof, it's just a feeling, and like Drew said, some weird stuff is happening. The seven demigods, whoever they are, have not been gathered yet. I get the feeling some are here tonight, some are not here. The campers began to stern mutter, looking at each other nervously until a drowsy voice in the crowd called out. I'm here! Oh, are you calling roll? Go back to sleep, Clovis, someone yelled and a lot of people laughed. Anyway, Rachel continued, we don't know what the great prophecy means. We don't know what challenge the demigods will face. But since the first great prophecy predicted the Titan War, we can guess the second great prophecy will predict something at least that bad. Or worse, 
Kyron murmured. Maybe he didn't mean everyone to overhear, but they did. The campfire immediately turned dark purple, the same color as Piper's dream. What we do know, Rachel said, is that the first phase has begun. A major problem has arisen, and we need a quest to solve it. Hera, the queen of the gods, has been taken. Shocked silence, then fifty demigods start talking at once. Chiron pounded his hoof again, but Rachel still had to wait before she could get back their attention. She told them about the incident on the Grand Canyon Skywalk, how Gleason Hedge had sacrificed himself when the storm spirits attacked, and the spirits had warned it was only the beginning. They apparently Sarah served some great mistress who would destroy all the demigods. Then Rachel told him about Piper passing out in Hera's cabin. Piper tried to keep a calm expression, even when she noticed Drew in the back row pantomiming a faint and her friends giggling. Finally, Rachel told him about Jason's vision in the living room of the big house. The message Hera had delivered there was so similar that Piper had got, got a chill. The only difference, Hera had warned Piper not to betray her. Bow to his will, and their king shall rise, dooming us all. Hera knew about the giant's threat, but if that was true, why hadn't she warned Jason and exposed Piper as an enemy agent? Jason, Rachel said. Um, do you remember your last name? She looked self con he looked self-conscious, but he shook his head. We'll just call you Jason then, Rachel said. It's clear. Hera herself has issued you a quest. Rachel paused as if giving Jason a chance to protest his destiny. Everyone's eyes, everyone's eyes were on him. There was so much pressure. Piper thought he, she would have buckled at his position, yet he looked brave and determined. He set his jaw and nodded, I agree. You must save Hera to prevent a great evil, Rachel continued. Some sort of king from rising. For reasons we don't yet understand, it must happen by the winter solstice, only four days from now. That's the council day of the gods, Annabeth said. If the gods don't already know Hera's gone, they will definitely notice her absence by then. They'll probably break out fighting, accusing each other of taking her. That's what they usually do. The winter solstice, Chiron spoke up, is, almost, is also the time of greatest darkness. The gods gathered that day, as mortals always have, because there's strength in numbers. The solstice is a day when evil magic is strong, ancient magic older than the gods. It is a day when things stir. The way he said it, stirring sounded absolutely sinister, like it should be a first-degree felony, not something you should did, you did to cookie dough. Okay, Ambit said, glaring at the centaur. Thank you, Captain Sunshine. Whatever's going on, I agree with Rachel. Jason has been chosen to lead this quest, so... Why hasn't he been claimed? Somebody yelled from the Ares cabin. If he's so important... He has been claimed, Chiron announced. Long ago, Jason, give them a demonstration. At first, Jason didn't seem to understand. He stepped forward nervously, but Piper couldn't help thinking how amazing he looked with his blonde hair glowing in the firelight. His regal features like a Roman statue's. He glanced at Piper and she nodded encouragingly. She mimicked flipping a coin. Jason reached into his pocket. His coin flashed in the air, and when he caught it in his hand, he was holding a lance. A rod of gold about seven feet long with a spear tip at one end. The other demigods gasped. Rachel and Annabeth stepped back to avoid the point, but which looked sharp as an ice pick. Wasn't that... Annabeth hesitated. I thought you had a sword. Um, it came up tails, I think, J 
Jason said, same coin, long rage weapon form. Dude, I want one, yelled someone from Ares' cabin. Better than Clarice's electric spear. Lamer! One of his brothers agreed. Electric, Jason murmured, like that was a good idea. Back away. Ambeth and Rachel got the message. Jason raised his javelin and thunder broke open the sky. Every hair on Piper's arms stood straight up. Lightning arched down like through the golden spear point and hit the campfire with the force of an artillery, ar- art- artillery shell. When the smoke cleared and the ringing in Piper's ears subsided, the entire camp sat frozen in shock, half blind covered in ashes. Staring at the place where the fire had been, cinders rained down everywhere. A burning log had impaled itself a few inches from the sleeping kid Clovis, who hadn't even stirred. Jason lowered his lance. Um, sorry. Chiron brushed some burning coals out of his beard. He grimaced as if his worst fears had been confirmed. A little overkill, perhaps, but you made your point, and I believe we know who your father is. Jupiter, Jason said. I mean Zeus, lord of the sky. Piper couldn't help smiling. It made perfect sense. The most powerful god, the father of all the greatest heroes in the ancient myths. No one else could possibly be Jason's dad. Apparently, the rest of the camp wasn't so sure. Everything broke into chaos, with dozens of people asking questions until Annabeth raised her arms. Hold it, she said. How can he be the son of Zeus, the big three? They're packed to not, ha- not to have mortal kids. How could we not have known about him sooner? Chiron didn't answer, but Piper got the feeling he knew. And the truth was good. The important thing, Rachel said, is that Jason's here now. He has a quest to fulfill, which means he will need his own prophecy. She closed her eyes and swooned. Two campers rushed forward and caught her. A third ran to the side of the amphitheater and grabbed a bronze three-legged stool like they'd been trained for this duty. They eased Rachel onto the stool in front of the ruined hearth. Without the fire, the night was dark, but green mist started swirling around Rachel's feet. When she opened her eyes, they were glowing. Emerald smoke issued from her mouth. The voice that came out was raspy and ancient. The sound of a, a snake would make if it could talk. Child of lightning, beware the earth. The the giant's revenge, the seven shall birth. The forge and dove shall break the cage, and death unleashed through Hera's rage. When the last word, Rachel collapsed, but her helpers were waiting to catch her. They carried her away from the hearth and laid her in the corner to rest. Is that normal? Ray Piper asked. Then she realized she'd spoken in the silence and everybody was looking at her. I mean... Does she spew green smoke a lot? Gods, you're dense, Drew sneered. She just issued a prophecy, Jason's prophecy to Hera. Why don't you just... Drew, Ambit snapped. Piper asked a fair question. Something about that prophecy definitely isn't normal. If breaking Hera's cage unleashes her rage and causes a bunch of death, why would we free her? It might be a trap. Or or maybe Hera will turn on her rescuers. She's never been kind to heroes. Jason rose. I don't have much choice. Hera took my memory. I need it back. Besides, we can't just not help the queen of the heavens if she's in trouble. A girl from Hephaestus' cabin stood up. Nissa, the one with the red bandana. Maybe, but you should listen to Annabeth. Hera can be vengeful. She threw her own son, our dad, down a mountain just because he was ugly. Real ugly! snickered someone from Aphrodite. Shut up, Nissa growled. Anyway, 
We've also got to think, why beware the earth? And what's the giant's revenge? What are we dealing with here that's powerful enough to kidnap the queen of the heavens? No one answered. But Piper noticed Annabeth and Chiron having a silent exchange. Piper thought it went something like, Annabeth, the giant's revenge? No, it can't be. Chiron, don't speak of it here. Don't scare them. Annabeth, you're kidding me. We can't be that unlucky. Chiron, later, child. If you told them everything, they would be too terrified to proceed. Piper knew it was crazy to think she could read their expressions so well. Two people she barely knew. But she was absolutely positive she understood them, and it scared the jujubes out of her. Annabeth took a deep breath. It's Jason's quest, she announced, so it's Jason's choice. Obviously, he's the child of lightning. According to tradition, he may choose any two companions. Someone from the Hermes cabin yelled, Well, you obviously, Annabeth, you've got the most experience. No, Travis, Annabeth said. First off, I'm not helping Hera. Every time I've tried, she deceived me, or it's come back to bite me later. Forget it. No way. Secondly, I'm leaving first thing in the morning to find Percy. It's connected, Piper blurted out, not sure how she got the courage. You know that's true, don't you? This whole business, your boyfriend's disappearance, it's all connected. How? demanded Drew. If you're so smart, how? Piper tried to form an answer, but she couldn't. Ambit saved her. You may be right, Piper. If this is connected, I'll find out from the other end by searching for Percy. As I said, I'm not about to rush off to rescue Hera. If her, even if her disappearance sets the rest of the Olympians fighting again. But there's another reason I can't go. The prophecy says otherwise. It says who I pick. Jason agreed. The forge and dove shall break the cage. The forge is the symbol of Vol- Hephaestus. Under the cabin nine banner, Nissa's shoulders slumped like she'd just been given a heavy anvil to carry. If you have to beware the earth, she said, you should avoid traveling over land. You'll need air transport. Piper was about to call out that Jason could fly, but then she thought better of it. That was for Jason to tell them, and maybe, and he wasn't volunteering the information. Maybe he'd figured he'd freak them out enough for one night. The flying chariot's broken, Nissa continued, and the Pegasi were using them to search for Percy. Maybe, but maybe Hephaestus' cabin can help figure something out else to help. With Jake and Cat incapacitated, incapacitated i'm senior camper i can volunteer for the quest she didn't sound enthusiastic then leo stood up he'd been so quiet piper had almost forgotten he was there which was totally not like leo it's me he said his cabin mate stirred several tried to pull him back to his seat but leo resisted no it's me i know it is i've got an idea for the transportation problem let me try i can fix this Jason studied him for a moment. Piper was sure he was going to tell Leo no. Then he smiled. We started this together, Leo. Seems only right you come along. You find us a ride, you're in. Yes! Leo pumped his fist. It'll be dangerous, Nissa warned him. Hardship, monsters, terrible suffering. Possibly none of you will come back alive. Oh. Suddenly, Leo didn't look so excited. Then he remembered everyone was watching. I mean... Oh, cool! Suffering? I love suffering! Let's do this! Annabeth nodded. Then Jason, you need—you only need to choose the third quest member. The dove. Oh, absolutely. 
Drew was on her feet and flashing Jason a smile. The dove is Aphrodite. Everyone knows that. I'm totally yours. Piper's hands clenched. She stepped forward. No. Drew rolled her eyes. Oh, please, dumpster girl. Back off. I had the vision of Hera. Not you. I have to do this. Anyone can have a vision, Drew said. You were just at the right place at the right time. She turned to Jason. Look, fighting is all fine, I suppose. And people who build things? She looked at Leo in disdain. Well, I suppose someone has to get their hands dirty. But you need charm on your side. I can be very persuasive. I could help a lot. The campers started murmuring about how Drew was pretty persuasive. Piper could see Drew winning them over. Even Chiron was scratching his beard like Drew's participation suddenly made sense to him. Well, Ambit said, given the wording of the prophecy, no! Piper's own voice sounded strange. In her ears, more insistent, richer in tone. I'm supposed to go. Then the weirdest thing happened. Everyone started nodding, muttering that, hmm... Piper's point of view made sense, too. Drew looked around, incredulous. Even some of her own campers were nodding. Get over it, Drew snapped at the crowd. What can Piper do? Piper tried to respond, but her confidence started to wane. What could she offer? She wasn't a fighter or a planner or a fixer. She had no skills except getting into trouble and occasionally convincing people to do stupid things. Plus, she was a liar. She needed to go on this quest for reasons that went way beyond Jason. And if she did go, she'd end up betraying everyone there. She heard that voice from the dream. Do our bidding and you may walk away alive. How could she make a choice like that? Between helping her father and helping Jason. Well, Drew said smugly, I guess that settles it. Suddenly there was collective gasp. Everyone stared at Piper like she just exploded. She wondered what she'd done wrong. Then she realized there was a reddish glow around her. What? She demanded. She looked above her, but there was no burning symbol like the one that appeared over Leo. Then she looked down and yelped. Her clothes. What in the world was she wearing? She despised dresses. She didn't own a dress. But now she was adorned in a beautiful white sleeveless gown that went so down that went down to her ankles with a V-neck so low it was totally embarrassing. Delicate gold armbands circled her biceps. An intricate necklace of amber, coral, coral, and gold flowers glittered on her chest and her hair. Oh my god. Oh god, she said. What happened? A stunned Annabeth pointed at Piper's dagger, which was now oiled and gleaming, hanging at her side on a golden cord. Piper didn't want to draw it. She was afraid of what she would see, but her curiosity out, won out. She unsheathed Cachopatrice and stared at her reflection in the polished metal blade. Her hair was perfect, lush and long and chocolate brown, braided with gold ribbons down one side, so it fell across her shoulder. She even wore makeup better than Piper would ever know how to do herself. Subtle touches that made her lips cherry red and brought out all the different colors in her eyes. She was... She was... Beautiful. Jason Jason exclaimed. Piper, you... You're a knockout. Under different circumstances, that would have been the happiest moment of her life. But now everyone was staring at her like she was a freak. Drew's face was full of horror and revulsion. No, she cried, not possible. This isn't me, 
Piper protested. I don't understand. Chiron the centaur folded his front legs and bowed to her, and all the campers followed his example. Hail, Piper McLean, Chiron announced gravely as if he were speaking at her funeral. Daughter of Aphrodite, Lady of Doves, Goddess of Love. And that's the end of chapter 10. Well, looks like Piper is the daughter of Aphrodite. And yeah, I guess it's pretty surprising, right? You know, like, you wouldn't really expect Piper to be the goddess of love. She seems more tough and seems to be more, uh, maybe, you know, over to the also as well, the possibly Ares, but I'm not sure. But it was very unexpected for her to be Aphrodite because... They gave a little bit of hints because, you know, when Drew said I was supposed to, I'm supposed to go, then everyone started nodding. And then when Piper said I'm supposed to go, then everyone also started nodding. So it kind of gave off that hint there, right there, that maybe Piper and Drew have the same ability. And since Drew was a daughter of, is a daughter of Aphrodite, then there's a possibility that Piper might be too. But it was crazy that transformation how she just transformed from her regular clothes to all that dress and everything but yeah piper is the goddess is the daughter of the of aphrodite goddess of love and we'll see who jason will take for the uh part of the dove when in the prophecy so we'll see if he'll pick drew or piper in the next uh episode when we'll read chapters 11 and 12 and let's read a little bit of the next chapter, chapter 11, to see what happened, what we'll be up for in next week. Chapter 11, Leo. Leo didn't stick around after Piper turned beautiful. Sure, it was amazing and all. She's got makeup, it's a miracle. But Leo had problems to deal with. He ducked out of the amphitheater and ran into the darkness, wondering what he'd gone himself into. He stood up in front of a bunch of stronger, braver demigods and volunteered volunteered for a mission that would probably get him killed. He hadn't mentioned seeing Tia Kalida, his old babysitter, but as soon as he'd heard about Jason's vision, the lady in the black dress and shawl, Leo knew it was the same woman. Tia Kalida was Hera. His evil babysitter was the queen of the gods. Stuff like that could really deep fry your brain. And that's the end. And that's all we're going to read today. But next week, we'll continue reading that chapter as well as chapter 12. Again, I apo- I want to apologize for uploading late this week. Um, I am starting to get a little more busy. and uh, But I will still try to upload weekly. And I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as I am. And yeah, until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom.